Christmas is all about gifts, right? Anybody uh, seen the non-animated Grinch with Jim Carrey in the suit, and you got little Cindy Lou Who that's trying to determine what the meaning of Christmas is, and she catches him taking the tree, and he's getting ready to go, and he's thinking of this lie, and yet his his heart speaks, and she goes, Santa, what's Christmas really all about? And he says, vengeance. Um, I mean, presents, of course. <laughs> Can I tell you this more that without the gift of Jesus Christ, it would be about vengeance? We deserved it, right? And we have received so many gifts, and we're not talking about presents and all of those things. Those are great, but those, those only last for so long. And, and, you know, week one we talked about there were supposed to be decorations for the world. And, and decorations are something that actually add an attractiveness. We should be people that live such lives that we attract people to the Lord and reflect His glory. And then we talked about lights, that we're supposed to be lights in the darkness, that our light in us should be a bright light that shines and and reflects Him, and we shouldn't try to hide it, but He actually made us to stand out, that that's what we're there for, to draw other people to Him. And then last week we talked about uh, the vehicle of food and how we sometimes overlook the fact that Jesus used food quite a bit to build relationships and to help people come into right relationship. We saw the incredible story of Zacchaeus, who had a meal with Jesus, and all of a sudden his heart and his life was changed. And, and we talked about the fruits of those repentance, that he stood up in the midst of all that crowd, and he says, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor, and if I've stolen from anybody, I'm going to pay back four times what I stole from them. And, and Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. And, and I want to let you know that no matter where you've been or what you've done, salvation can come to your house. Did you know that? right? And one of the things I want to lay on you, and maybe it seems like it's, uh, it's one of those weird, it's not weird, is salvation, at least in my life, is not a one-time thing. See, Jesus keeps saving me from me. I don't know about you, but I didn't get it all finished that first day that I said, hey, come into my life. And now he canceled all the stuff that was against me, but guess what? I mess up. I have problems. I have failures. And I need to be saved from my present and the future mess I'm going to have. And he is a God that continues to save. Now, that initial salvation is enough. You don't have to keep getting resaved, but it's the process of saving me from the stupidity that I keep making, right? And so I hope that you remember that as he saves, it's not just a long time ago that something, yeah, when you were 12 at youth camp, that we're talking about yesterday he, he had enough grace to overcome our stupidity, our rebellion, our mess, and he still loves us, and that's the incredible part of all this. And so we're going to talk a little bit about gifts this morning, but um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I won't say I'm a gift snob, but I, I grew up in a strange uh, environment about gifts, and um, how many of you ever got like weird gifts from grandmas and great-grandmas, you know? Yep. Come on, be honest this morning, even if they're sitting next to you, Right? You know, the crocheted V-neck sweaters or monogrammed handkerchiefs or uh, knitted socks. Or, and it was a, it was a gift of love, um, but sometimes you just didn't want to be loved that much, right? You just, you will, especially as a kid, you know, like, whoa, oh, socks. 
And then as I've grown up, I realized that um, gifts, people have different ideas about gifts. Uh, sometimes gifts are just obligations, right? Somebody got you something, oh man, we got to go get them something, let's run to the dollar store. And, and, and I would say this for us, uh, not just spiritually, but, but in our everyday practice. Gifting, just like God does, if we're going to be God-type people, gifting should be about the other person. We should actually think about the other person when we give the gift, right? So when you run to the dollar store and get that coffee mug so you can give back a gift and, well, it seems kind of cheap, uh, let's, let's fill it full of some wrapped chocolates, okay. Um, now, that's great that you did that, but was that thoughtful, you know, because we actually have phrases for this, right? You've heard it said, it's the thought that counts. And usually that, that usually means that I didn't think about what I just gave you. That's why I say the, it's the thought that counts. So I want to help you out. And if you struggle with some of this like I do at times, I'm going to give you uh, 10 great things to say when you get one of those gifts that you wish you hadn't gotten. Okay, are you ready for that? So here we go. Number 10. Open it up and you say, Hey, now that's a gift. Very positive, right? You didn't lie, right? Open it up and you say, well, well, well. It's usable. I've had this happen. You open it up and you say, boy, if I hadn't recently shot up four sizes, that would really fit. You open up that gift and you say, this is perfect for wearing in the basement. <laughs> you open that special gift and you say, Oh, I sure hope this never catches fire. It is fire season, though. There's lots of unexplained fires this time of year. If you're a pet owner, you open this gift, and you could say, boy, if the dog buries this, I'm going to be furious. If you're a spiritual person and open a gift, you could say, I love it, but... I'm afraid of the jealousy that this will inspire in my coworkers. <laughs> Just run out of good excuses. You could say, oh, man, thanks, but tomorrow I'm entering the Federal Witness Protection Program, and running out of excuses, and you could say, wow. Unfortunately, I vowed to give all of my gifts I got this year to charity. And the number one thing you could really say with a smile on your face is, I really don't deserve this. <laughs> so now you know what to say about gifts that you don't like. Let's, let's talk about God. Did you know that God is uh, a regifter? Have you ever regifted? Show of hands. Come on, don't be embarrassed. Who's ever regifted something? Come on. Did you know that God is a regifter? Did you know that? He gives you stuff that He expects you to give to somebody else. Right? 
God expects you to re-gift. Now, not the presents you're getting this year, but the, the spiritual gifts that he brings to us. And so I want to just kind of lay some groundwork here of, of initially some of the gifts that he's given to us. And, and here's, here's the biggest thing we've got to get out of all of this is that as we think about others when we gift, the same way should be our practice for how we live. God has given us a, a template to follow. Just like with him, he said that his kingdom was about others. Did you know that? He was always thinking about others, always putting others first. And this is one of the, the highlights that we're missing in, in church culture today is that it seems like everybody's out for themselves. It seems like everybody's trying to grab what they can get, that even prayer services and healing services and all that stuff. And, and again, we should pray for healing to happen, but, but listen, God doesn't need a healing service to do healing. God is a healing God, right? And yes, there's something powerful in, in an expectation of atmosphere where, where things can happen that maybe don't normally happen uh, in, in your room or as you're driving to work, but I'm here to tell you that God's not limited by crowd size. God's not limited by your location. God's not limited by all that, but He wants us to be people that are putting Him and others first, right? He even says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek Him first, right? And then He talks about others all the time. Love one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. Uh, all of these things, one another, one another, one another, one another. And so as we think about gifts, understand that everything He's given to us was designed to honor Him and to help other people. So here we go. We'll, I'm just going to lay a lot of scripture on you this morning, and, and we'll talk through this as we go. So uh, very, very powerful passage right here. Romans six twenty three, the wages of sin is death, and thank God it's not a period but a comma there. And he goes on to say, yep, there's death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, you've probably read that, you've probably heard that, seen it on signs, but you break this down really easy, and it's amazing that he takes something that was meant for all of us, which is death because of sin, and he takes it and he makes it something to hope for. And he doesn't just leave us hanging. He doesn't just say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, and you need to figure that out. He helps us with the past can be changed. I can make you a new person. But you also have the person that helps you become the new person, which is Jesus Christ. He points the way. He doesn't just say, figure it out. He doesn't just leave a dot, 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 like, I don't know how this happens. He's showing us that, yes, we deserved death, but he has given us a gift, and the gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now, this, again, is another hang-up in our modern world where we're all trying to find different ways to make it to heaven, and yet God has provided a very easy way to do that. He's like, there's just one. Don't search for it. You don't have to go digging for it. The information is very clear. The one way to get to heaven is Jesus Christ. Now, maybe that hangs you up this morning. I'm just telling you what God says, and if God is the one that helped inspire all these men, and if God's the one that could raise Jesus from the dead... And then I'm going to trust him over cultural thought processes. And so if he says there's one way, I'm thankful there's one way instead of figure it out and hope that you're right. Then he moves on, and here, here's a story that's pretty interesting. So 
part of the Christmas story, if you've ever read this before, the, the wise men go and they come to the house where the star has led them to. They see the child, which is Jesus at that time, his mother Mary, and they did something incredible as well. They bowed down and they worshipped him, even though he was just a child, and they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts. Now, you should be thankful this morning because I'm thankful this morning. Aren't you thankful that every time we come to church, we don't have to bring gold and frankincense and myrrh? I'm thankful, aren't you? <laughs> aren't you thankful this morning that Jesus came to fulfill all the sacrifices so that you didn't have to get up this morning and wrangle a sheep or find two turtle doves or pick a ream of barley? or saw a bull in half and lead it here and then bring it to me and I have to kill this thing and put it on the barbecue. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That in him, he has become the sacrifice and now all our gifts are the most important gift we've taken care of this morning, at least I hope you took care of this morning, we worship. But worship isn't just what we do on Sunday because I'll bet you this wasn't a Sunday. They weren't in temple. They weren't in church. Guess what? When they came into the presence of Jesus, they worshiped him. You want to know a great gift that not only impacts God, but impacts other people? Worship. I mean, really worship. Worship like it doesn't matter what the people around you think. Worship like you really mean it. Worship, And worship is not just singing, right? I mean, we worship through song, but worship is a lifestyle. How you spend your money, how you live your days, how you work on your job, how you handle uh, uh, the responsibilities, how you treat the people around you, your spouse and your children and your co-workers and your extended family. All of that is worship because it's pointing back to Jesus Christ that I do this because he's told me to do this. That's worship. And if we just relegate it down to a few songs on Sunday, that's not worship. That's just a music service. And I want it to be more than a music service. For me, it's worship. And, and as I've shared before, hey, there's times where I'm not in the groove with the songs, and maybe it's not my thing that day, but you know what? I choose to close my eyes and raise my hands, and I want to get a hold of Him. I want to sing. I want to remind Him. I'm, I'm talking to Him and, and maybe you're not at the place where you talk to God out loud. I'm at that place, but I didn't start there. I was a person that stood and hold the chairs down because somehow they're full of helium and, you know, they might float away if we let this thing go. But that's because we're thinking about other people instead of trying to worship our God. It's amazing that men that weren't religious Jews traveled all that way to find him, and the first thing they did is put themselves on the ground and worshipped a child king, a savior. Then we've got Matthew, and this is Jesus speaking here, and it's pretty amazing. And, and I want to share something with you because he uses this word, and it's funny how in the New Testament this word changes, in, and it's Jesus that kind of changes this word. In the Old Testament, they would have to bring their sacrifices to the temple, Right? Whatever you did, there was a prescription that you did such and such, this is what you bring. And in the Old Testament, it was called sacrifice, but here we see that Jesus calls it a gift. Because the gift isn't for you, 
per se. The gift is to God, and then He gifts you by taking away your sin. But in this passage, He explains this God and others mentality. Look what He says. If you bring your gift to the altar, and He's really talking about sacrifice, you bring your gift to the altar, and then you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you. So like this morning, you come and you come to worship and you realize, man, I'm out of sorts with my mom. I'm, I know that things aren't right between us. God says, you know what? I'm good. You take care of that. You go offer that sacrifice and then, then you can think about me. Isn't that amazing that God would say, take care of the other person first. And then come back and think about me. Why? Because he's trying to initiate a God and others mentality for us that it's not about coming in and doing your duty. Okay, I've got to stand here through four songs and then I'm going to sit down and then we're going to do this. And That's not what he's asking for. That's not what he's interested in at all. What he's actually saying is, I care about you so much and I care about the people around you I can forgive you, and I can forgive the person near you, but you've got to take care of your half of this deal as well. When you're out of sorts with somebody, you do the right thing. You be the person that brings the gift of renewed relationship. Hey, without any blame, I want us to have right relationship. And I'm, I'm sorry if things have gotten weird. You don't have to say, hey, I totally messed up. Because if you didn't mess up, don't say you messed up. But the reality is you should want that relationship right, just like Jesus wants it. He wants his kids to play nice together, right? And so he says, you, you just leave your gift there. I'll take care of that later, but you go and do this. He's like, be reconciled to your brother. I don't want to see this split. I don't want to see this strain. I don't want to see this because he knows that if we leave things too long, that gap gets wider and wider and wider. So give a little participation this morning. Show of hands. Anybody that you knew for quite a while and then something happened or maybe you just fell out of touch and it felt really awkward to try to get back in touch with them? Or you never have? Time doesn't help in those situations. Well, in a year or so, I'll... It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so he's given us this gift of saying, hey... The most important thing to me, as God would say, the most important thing to me is treat each other well. Make sure your relationships are right because when your relationships are right, everything's better. When your relationships are right, my family gets along. I mean, think about it. You know in your house, right? When people are squabbling, it's painful, right? Right? Those of you that are married, you know if mama ain't happy. You got to fix that. And if you're newly married and your wife says she's fine, you better you better beat feet and figure out first of all know that your wife's a, just a stone cold liar, but you better put some effort into saying, no, it, it isn't fine, babe. What, what have I done wrong again? Uh, what have I? <laughs> you got to start digging, right? Because I'm telling you, a world of hurt is waiting for you. If she says, I'm fine, and you're okay, good, I'm going to go watch the game. It's going to be a long night. 
He's given us the gift of each other. And we all know that there are people that maybe will never be our best friends, maybe even people we don't like to hang out with that much. But the reality is when we come together as a church and we pray and we worship, it's important. And he wants that to be right. He doesn't want us to be separated and thinking about, oh, I can't believe she's here today. Did you see? He hates that stuff. He hates division in the church. He hates that mindset and that heart set where we're more focused on what somebody did or didn't do or what they're wearing or didn't wear. or That's stuff for, I don't know where, but it's not what he wants for his children. He wants us to be at peace with each other. He wants us to reconcile. He wants there to be forgiveness that flows and love that overcomes the, the sins that happen in our world, whether we want them to or not. He wants that to happen. And so I just want to encourage you that, especially this time of year, when you're going to be in close context with family, just realize that they're sinners. They're not perfect. They make mistakes. We say stupid stuff. We do stupid stuff. And we've got to be able to forgive. That's how we let the light shine. That's a great gift that he's given us to be able to say, You totally lost it. You totally messed up, but I totally forgive you. Because it's that important. Now let's talk about some of these other gifts. And and this next one's a a little touchy, and so I want to take time to explain it. Romans 11.29 shares something that people have misconstrued And this is what he's saying. He says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That means that he will never take them back. He will continue to offer salvation. He will continue to offer gifts. He will continue to do that, and he won't pull them back. Now, what this doesn't mean is that if you say you get saved and then you never do another thing for God and you go on a rampage and your life is just a mess and full of sin, it doesn't mean that you're okay. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't save you, but it also doesn't mean that that type of a lifestyle is what he wishes for you. In fact, it's the opposite of that. So this, oh, total covering of grace thing, you've got to be very careful. That puts you on very shaky ground. Grace is extended, but there needs to be a forgiveness. There needs to be a change. There needs to be a repentance. There needs to be a renewed life. That's what the Scripture reveals. But he also says this calling where maybe you think, I messed up, I went too far. Did you see the irrevocable part? You know what that means? You haven't gone too far. You haven't been too bad. You haven't forgotten enough. You haven't been too lazy. You haven't been, it will never be pulled back. Not just his salvation and his love, but the other gifts that we're going to talk about this morning. He says those are irrevocable. They should be something that lasts a lifetime and only get better over time, only get stronger over time. This is the thing, is that as the church grows, we've got to understand that what he gave to the church in this document, in the times of the early church, they're irrevocable because there are even heresies out there that, oh, well, God doesn't do those things anymore. It says right here that the things that he's given are irrevocable. Just because we may not practice them doesn't mean it's not what God wanted that he told us to stop or do any of that. In fact, he wanted it to continue on until we all come to the maturity of faith. And so 
Part of our gifts is understanding that as we use our gifts, we honor God, and as we use our gifts, we help people, okay? Because the gifts that He gives us are not about us, okay? Here we go. Romans 12, this is a a great chapter for those of you that are thinking, uh, what type of gifts? We're talking spiritual gifts. Every one of us have been given spiritual gifts, okay? Having gifts that are different according to the grace that is given to us. Look at this. All of them are different, right? He's given us different grace, different personalities, different profiles, right? But notice what he says. You've been given these different gifts. Let's use them. Let's use them. So as he gives us things, if we just put them on the shelf and we say, oh, thank you, or "Eh, I don't want that, it's dishonoring, okay? Let's use them. If we have prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or if we have ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality. I think that's pretty awesome right there. He who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now he's just giving us a great template here. I mean, think about that last one. If you grew up with brothers or sisters or older cousins or something like that, I learned the uncle game. I don't know if kids even do this anymore. Hopefully we've become a kinder, gentler world. But my older cousins that were, what were girls were vicious. And I've just seen as I've watched Animal Planet that I understand more and more that the female of any species is the most vicious creatures on the planet. By design. And so how this game works, uh, with boys and girls it's different. Girls would love to get a hold of me, particularly, and either bend my arm or grab a hold of a finger and begin to bend it until I would say, uncle. And, and whatever it is, and maybe it's me, it was like pulling teeth. And I just thought, as I've gotten older, why didn't, as soon as they grab me, why didn't they just say, uncle? No, I got to wait till I'm on the ground crying, until uh, it's about ready to snap, uncle! And then they laugh and they walk away and do whatever they're going to do. Fun game, right? Give the gift that keeps on giving. With my older boy cousins, and then I got to pass this down to my brother, because I have a little brother. What a gift. You get them on the ground, and you sit on their chest, and you see how close you can get your spit to their face, right? Just farm kids. We didn't have iPhones. We didn't have nothing. Come on. But we had lots of spit. You tell me, does that sound like mercy? Twisting a joint, putting somebody in an uncomfortable position until they give in, that's not the type of mercy that Jesus is talking about here, right? Notice he says mercy with cheerfulness. It's more like, I'm so glad I get to take care of this. 
I'm so glad I get to forgive you. I'm so glad I get to extend mercy because it restores our relationship and it honors God. You gotta, we got to get that through our mind that the things he's telling us to do is not drudgery and it's not some robotic thing that we do. It is something that should light us up and we say, I get to practice this. I get to practice mercy today. And that's awesome because you know what? For those that are merciful, he shows mercy. I want the mercy of God. Do you want the mercy of God? <laughs> For those that are peacemakers, they'll see the kingdom of God. I want to see the kingdom of God. And so it shouldn't be this, oh, great, I got to say, I forgive them. That's the wrong heart. It should be, I'm so glad we get to take care of this. I'm so glad that I get to extend this gift. And maybe you didn't think that mercy was a gift, but it's a powerful gift. It's one that God gave to us, right, where he basically says, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. That's incredible. Then we go to the next part of Scripture, and I'm not going to describe it all. I want you to see that he's, he's explaining these gifts because they're supposed to be used for us, and, and we're supposed to use them, and the gifts are designed to be used for other people. Glorify God and help other people. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about this. It's a, it's a whole chapter. I mean, you want to... If, if you're somebody that, man, I don't know where to start reading, you want to read about how to really honor God and have great relationships with others, read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14, and you'll know exactly how you should behave and respond in many cases. Now, here's what he says. This is Paul, who is a, a guy just like us that's been saved from a, a, a wacko lifestyle, and, and all of a sudden he's speaking to the church because they don't understand how all this is supposed to work. And so he's been getting a lot of questions, and there's been a lot of mess going on. And so he says, hey, listen, my, my brothers and sisters, I want you to know regarding your questions about these special gifts that the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand that this is how important it was. I don't want you to misunderstand this, okay? Because when we misunderstand it, we have the potential to dishonor God and push people away. Right? Now, maybe you've come into contact with this. You've, you've come into a church someplace that is uh, uh, a spiritual, spirit-filled church, and they believe in the use of the gifts, but many times it seems a little weird. I found that usually that happens when the person uses the gift for them, not for others, and when the person uses the gift not to honor God, but to get attention. But if we'll actually put it through the filter of trying to honor God, and be thoughtful of the other person, God is well pleased. And it flows. And it, um, Now, God can do some amazing things that may make us feel uncomfortable. But when it just feels wrong, it's usually because somebody's using the gift in an inappropriate way. Right? Uh, just like if you came by and saw somebody digging a ditch and they had the round handle part of the shovel down in the ground, they've got the tool but are they using it correctly? Nope. So here's what he says. I don't want you to misunderstand this. He says there are different kinds of gifts. Everybody's got a, a gift, and there's different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit is who gives all these gifts. So it's not from you. It's not your natural talent. It's not your natural ability. It's the Spirit. Now, here's what's great about that is that when the Spirit directs it, He knows who has the need, and then we just have to be obedient. This is the tough part. Okay? 
Because if I think I have the gift, then I have to determine when I'm going to use it, where I'm going to use it, and on whom I'm going to use it. But if we allow the Spirit to direct us, He will point us in exactly the right place at the right time during the service, during our time together. And He also speaks of us being together. The gifts are not to be used in isolation. So here's what He says. I don't want you to understand this. The Spirit is in all of them. Uh, Verse 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of you. Why? So we can help each other. The spiritual gifts are given so that we can help each other. The spiritual gift is not given so that I seem more spiritual. The spiritual gift is not given so that I get lots of attention and I can be in leadership. The spiritual gift is not given... So that we can just say, everybody do it. The spiritual gifts are given so that we help each other. Okay? Now, again, you've got experience with this, and we just got to understand our human lives. Okay? I have two beautiful grandchildren that I adore. But guess what? Just like you when you were a kid, and just like me when I was a kid, when we were kids, we're greedy. We're selfish, right? And I've said over the last few weeks that the best way to get my grandson to play with a toy is to give it to my granddaughter. They both have problems sharing, right? And it's funny that one of the words that they learn quickly that most of us as parents don't teach is mine. Right? And it doesn't mean that I don't love them, and it doesn't mean that they're animals. It just means it's something that has to be taught. Now, here's the difference, the application. When we act like the gifts are about us, we're showing that we're immature, not mature. When we want the attention, when we want to own this, when we want somebody to notice, when we want the world to go, wow, way to use that gift, that's immaturity, not maturity. It's only as we get older and we learn how to cooperate and we learn that sharing, it doesn't make it easier. We just learn that it's collaboration. And I share my time and I share my energy and I share my desire not only to honor God but to help other people. That shows the signs of maturity instead of the me standing up and being the center of attention. That's not maturity. It's given so that each of us can help somebody else. Now, here's the part that may make you feel guilty, but maybe it's just conviction. Is your life based on the desire to help someone else? And that you realize you've been saved for other people. You've been gifted for other people. Or are you still in the me mode? What's he going to do for me? When's he going to fix me? When's he going to take care of me? And and given enough time, he will. God has his own timetable. But you've got to understand that if that's your thought process, you're revealing your immaturity instead of your maturity. There are times where I have prayed for things and prayed for things, but I've also found that God intercedes, and sometimes when I'm praying for somebody else, I get the answer. When I take myself out of the equation and I just focus on other people, it seems like all of a sudden God slides right in there and it's taken care of. Or even better, 
as I've gotten older, I find that the thing I thought was so important that as I take myself out of the equation, I allow God to work, He shows me it wasn't that important in the first place. But if we're constantly me, 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 then it puts us on the wrong side. And then I say, how come you're not using your gifts to fulfill me? How come you're not taking care of me? How come instead of me saying, oh, when I came to church today, who, I wonder who I can help today. I wonder, wonder who I can pray for today. I wonder who needs just an encouraging word. I wonder who I could make their day better today. I wonder, imagine if we lived our lives like that. Not just at church. But when we go to work, when we come home from work, and it's been a horrible day, and we decide, I wonder who I can serve today. I wonder who I can lift up today. I wonder who I could share something positive with, because there's always something negative in a given day. But this is a sign of our progression, right? Spiritual gifts are given so that we can help each other. And there's a variety of gifts, and we don't own them. We just get given them, and we're supposed to operate them. And you can read in there all about that. But look at what 2 Timothy tells us about gifts. He's reminding his, his young uh, protege, Timothy, Paul is, and he's saying, I'm reminding you to do something. I'm reminding you to fan into flame the spiritual gift God gave you. See, when we, when we get busy with life, those things fall to the bottom. And he says, we've got to stir it back up. It's like chocolate milk, right? You, if you're like me, you put in way too much chocolate, and over time the chocolate begins to sink to the bottom, and you've got to do what? Stir it up, and then it becomes nice dark chocolate milk again. And just like spiritual gifts, that over time they tend to get a little heavy, and they tend to go by the wayside, and he says, you've got to stir it up again. And that's what I'm here doing for you this morning is that these gifts are powerful and wonderful. They've been given by God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're here to help us as a church not to just put gifts on display, but to say it's all about God and others. And when we can take that beyond these four walls, we can really make an impact. Because we get to use those gifts as the Spirit directs not just in church service, and, and here's the wild part, God may actually have you use your gift on somebody that's not even saved. What? Because God cares about them too. And what a great way to bring Him glory that you gave of yourself, Right? It wasn't about you, and it can make you feel awkward. And I mean, every time I've been used in the gifts, it is awkward because, you know why? I'm just being honest, because there's a decision to be made. He's never going to force me to do it. But it's, uh, I don't want to do that. And I definitely don't want to do that here. And I'm not sure I want to do it for them. Do I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Do I want to put others first? Do I want Him to be the bright light that shines instead of me? Do I, am I willing to lay down that small portion? Because it's not saying do this for the next year. It's a, it's a micro-fraction of our lives. Melissa and I watched a movie over the weekend. 
good spiritual movie, and um, a man was going with his pastor to visit in the hospital, and, and they were only letting certain visitors in, and so as he was uh, walking down the hall, somebody came by, and he actually backed into another person's room, and that person was in bad shape and blind, and he started a conversation with the guy, and before he left, he said, well, I'm going to pray for you. Weeks later, he got the opportunity to come back and visit that man again, and the guy kind of put him on the spot and asked about what his identity was, and was he really a Christian, and, and he said, let me ask you a question. He said, last time I saw you, you said you were going to pray for me. Did you? And the dramatic pause was the answer, right? <laughs> and I've been there. But since I've changed my behavior, I rarely tell people, hey, I'll pray for you. Because I know I'll get busy with my day and I won't think about that other person. You know what I'm going to do? Why don't we pray right now? Not because I want to, maybe, but because it's what God would want us to do for each other. Because it's a small amount of time to invest in the life of somebody else. And even though that type of praying isn't technically a gift, it is a gift that you're thinking of giving to somebody else. It's our time. It's our service. It's our energy. It's our focus. It's our ability to say, I'm not that important right now. You are, and I want to put the focus on you. That's what God's asking for us. That's an incredible gift to be able to look at the world and not feel overcome and not feel beat down, but to see, see needs and realize I can't take care of them all, but who can I help this week? Who can I? And sometimes it's just conversation. I mean, it's very rare that we encounter a biblical story where, you know, somebody comes and asks us for our shirt. And did you know the Bible even says that? If somebody comes and asks for your coat, give them your shirt too. Aren't you thankful people aren't doing that? But it's never cost me that much. It's usually just a prayer. It's just a moment. It's just caring. That's what the gifts are all about. So I remind you this morning to stir up those gifts. And if you don't know what your gifts are, read. You should read, especially this, this section, because this is about modern day life. This is about the functions of the church. And you're the church, not the building. You are. Stir it up inside of you. What, what should I be doing? What did I used to do that I'm not doing anymore? So I've heard that. So all of you that are older, I'm putting you on the spot right now as well. I get tired of hearing, yeah, I used to. Stir up the gifts. Nobody said to stop using them. I don't care if you're retired. I don't care if you're 80. You don't have to do it all day and with vigor. Just do it. Because he never said to stop. But somehow we get to a certain age and we settle down and we get comfortable. And, ah, it's for those. I, I cooked enough meals. I did enough fundraisers. I did enough... What you're really saying is, God, I'm not using those gifts anymore, but thanks. It's not how it should be. You've got to slow down long enough to say, I've been gifted, and I've been sent. And you may say, why even talk about this? That's a great question. See, you're so smart. Why even talk about this? Not only because it gives God glory, but can you imagine the difference that we could make just our church? 
if we had a God and others first mentality, do you know how that would impact your neighborhood? Do you know how that would change the atmosphere of your workplace? Do you know how that might heal your family when you decide to serve instead of demanding to be served, instead of demanding your way, instead of, I don't have the mood for that, instead of, instead of I'm going to serve because Jesus has served me? Do you know what could happen to the people that never cared about God, but one Christian, one follower of Jesus, took time to use their gift, and something incredible happened in them. Because I'll tell you what, they may doubt what the Bible says, they may doubt what happens at church, but they'll never doubt what God does for them. When you lay hands on them in the moment of terror and fear, God says, go pray for them to be healed, and they are healed. They will never be able to doubt that. When you came along at just the right time and you didn't even know it was just the right time, you just thought it was an inconvenience and yet you were the third person that said the same thing to them, all of a sudden God's got their attention. You are not useless. You are vital to the kingdom of God. You are vital as an active, growing follower of Jesus Christ to change the world around us, not through really strong doctrine and not through being in your home praying. Those are wonderful things, but those are for you. We are here to make a difference by putting God's gifts on display for Him and for others. And I wish I could show you a picture of our house. My, my wife, thrives at this. She is so good. She is an incredible gift giver. And she wants it to be special, and she takes the time to, I mean, if it was me, let's be, I'm just being honest. I'm just an honest guy. If it was me, why even wrap the gift? <laughs> Write on the package their name and pull it out of the sack and say, here you go. Because they're not after the paper, we just tear it off anyway. And then I got to clean it up. Or some of you wacko people, well, I got to take the tape off. I might reuse this paper. Yeah, right. But all of our packages neatly wrapped, ribbons, bows, name tags put around the tree and and I don't get that my brain doesn't work like that I'm just she's like no let's do this and she gets it and I wonder about us how how open are we to actually allowing ourselves to be used by God for the good of others when it inconveniences us, when you've already been in the long line and the person behind you wants to talk, when you're already in a hurry and the person's crossing the street and you know what you want to say and do, when somebody's gotten on your last nerve, And you, quote, have every right to give them a piece of your mind, but you also have a right to give them a piece of your gift of mercy, of exhortation, of encouragement. Right? 
Here's what 1 Peter tells us. And it's funny that we keep saying this over and over again because we need to be reminded. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Look what he says. Use them well to serve one another. Use them well. Get that thing oiled up. Get that thing running. Maybe it's taking you a little bit of time. Maybe it's taking you till this morning to figure out you've even got this. Great, but don't let the thing slow down. Just start to use it well. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. You have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Think about this. Your gifting is how we see God in action, how the world sees the glory of God. And when we keep it to ourselves and we decide we're not going to do it, we're pulling back the glory of God. And I don't want to be guilty of that. I know you don't either, but that's why I'm telling you we've got to stir it up a little bit. There was a time in the church where the gifts were a little out of control, but, you know, I'll tell you, I would almost rather have it out of control than none at all. If we keep... According to what the Bible says, we'll be just fine. God will keep it all in control, but I'm telling you, we have to stir it up. We have to stir it up because it tends to settle down. We have to stir it up because we tend to not feel like we want to do it. We have to stir it up. Because these gifts bring glory to God, not to us first time you ever share Jesus with somebody, you'll feel different. You'll find the gift. All of a sudden, you'll see the world differently. You'll see people guilt differently. When you slow down enough and you see somebody that's actually what we used to call praise through, and all of a sudden you see the light come on. And not only did they get the gift but you got the gift of being part of that process. See somebody healed, to see a relationship healed, to see hope renewed. But it means we got to take the focus off of us and try to bring glory to God by allowing the gifts to flow through us. And, and it doesn't mean you just jump in. What it means is you do something really wacko like this. Lord, will you show me what gift you want me to use? And let it go from there. <laughs> let him have control of it. But keep yourself open. The next day, guess what? Maybe he didn't do anything. The next day, God, I'm still waiting on that gift thing. Uh, that's how we keep it at the forefront. That's how we keep trying to honor him. And then just wait for a God encounter. And like I said, I'm telling you up front because I'm a good pastor. It's usually awkward and inconvenient. It's usually not when you're like, I've been praying for three days for this to happen, and then all of a sudden, bam. It's usually like, okay, God doesn't want to use me in the gifts. I'm late for work. The kids have been brats. Let's go. Oh, the neighbor's here. Welcome to the glory of God. Because it's not about you. <laughs> and it's wonderful, and it's glorious, and it's inconvenient. And it's God. 
Don't minimize your life and the impact that you have. You have gifts. You are sent people. You are chosen people by God. You are his decoration. You are his light. You are the gifts he wants to show the world. Every day we trust him and follow him. It's a gift to display to the world. A gift the world needs of people that have hope and joy and peace and are others-focused instead of self-focused. 